0: People should be more involved. This should be happening across all ideologies.
1: Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Yes, indeed. This is the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is episode number 146. Today's show notes featuring everything discussed on today's show can be found over at lionsofliberty.com slash 146. Before we get into today's show, I want to briefly mention our great sponsors, starting with our friends at Health Excellence Select, who provide an exciting and affordable alternative to Obamacare health insurance. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. We are also brought to you by our friends at libertymaniacs.com, your home for killer political and satirical gear. To get a 10% discount on your entire order, use the discount code lionsofliberty at libertymaniacs.com. My guest today has been all over the Liberty Movement, working with many great Liberty organizations such as Anti-War.com, the 10th Amendment Center, and he currently serves as the news editor with VoicesOfLiberty.com. He is the chair of the Los Angeles County Chapter of the Republican Liberty Caucus and is one of the Liberty Kids who managed to take over the Los Angeles County Republican Party back in 2012, which even landed him an appearance on the Glenn Beck Show. If all that wasn't enough... He is now the host of the brand spanking new Nick Hancock Show. He is, of course, Nick Hancock. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast, Nick.
0: Great to be here, Mark. Thank you so much.
1: It is great to have you here. I, we've communicated on and off over the years, so it's great to finally speak with you. And uh, as I often do with my guests, before we get into the nitty gritty of what you're doing here in the liberty movement, I always like to find out how you got involved in all this crazy liberty stuff. So how and when did the ideas of liberty first take hold for you? And we can go as far back as you want. We can go all the way to the womb if we need to. Yeah, so let's
0: go back real far here. I was probably maybe 10 or 11, maybe 12 at the at the uh, latest where my dad came back from the video store and he went on a rampage and just rented every George Carlin tape they had <laughs> and forced me to sit down and watch uh, George Carlin and it was it was amazing. So that was probably my first taste of a little anti-establishment uh, kind of uh, reject the left, reject the right kind of idea from early on. I got it from George Carlin.
1: That must have just blown your mind as a, as a ten year old to George Carlin. Oh huh? yeah, the
0: the seven dirty words and then uh, every everything else. You're like, Dad, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to be listening to this? <laughs> yeah, well, that was the funny part, right? It Was like, my dad must have felt it was. Um, so I' sort of write a passage or indoctrination for me, but it worked out and uh so I was able to reject the the hippies and the socialists, and then I was also able to. You know, feel feel comfortable rejecting the conservative right wing pro war side too, at least for a little while. I wasn't like a pure libertarian, straight out the whatever insert idiom here. But I read Ayn Rand sometime after that. Then registered on my 18th birthday with a cigarette in my mouth. I uh, registered to vote <laughs> with the Libertarian Party, but it really wasn't until Ron Paul, I have to say, where I just thought about these ideas, really th- gave them serious thought. And uh, left the bumper sticker kind of slogans behind and, and more uh, maturely developed my philosophy. So it's, uh, that's where I am now. And because of Ron Paul, I've just been able to put those ideas to work. And uh, that, that left me working in mostly Republican circles, but always trying to reach out and work with anyone and everyone.
1: And those two names you mentioned, um, Ayn Rand and then Paul, I mean, I asked this question of just about everyone I have on the show, and those are the two, by far, most common names I hear about who were people's early influences and who got them really going on this stuff. So maybe you could just briefly touch on what was it about Ayn Rand and her philosophy and, and her writing that got you, I guess, thinking in a you know more direct manner about the ideas of liberty, and then how did Ron Paul kind of inspire you to sort of take that to another level and get more politically active?
0: Ayn Rand's rigidity on individualism versus collectivism, that's what crystallized things for me at that point. That was that was really important to learn, just to, to learn that society doesn't act. There's no great body called government that acts separately from anything else. It's all individuals acting. So with that, there's not a whole lot else uh, I would be able to say about Ayn Rand's uh, influence on me because... I just really enjoyed reading the, the books, nonfiction and fiction, but the most I could give her credit for was the individual versus the collective, really to cement that in my mind. From there, uh, I actually almost went astray a little bit at that time, in, probably in the eighth grade. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah. Can't have you getting too far off the reservation. You know,
0: Ayn Rand Institute, not a huge fan, uh, but, you know, there's a lot there is a lot that people can still learn from Ayn Rand, although I, I think it was a positive development for libertarianism that more people say they came to liberty through Ron Paul than, say, Ayn Rand. And, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I did benefit from Ayn Rand, but I think um, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that as well. So what Ron did for me was bring in a human element and just a greater understanding of, of economics and a, a greater understanding of, you know, the country's history and its untold history, not just the, um, you know, the school book version. So, you know, I, I, think, I think Ron Paul was more well-rounded. And I think Ayn Rand probably, you know, a few lessons, but I, um, I don't think uh, it's on the same level as Ron. So.
1: Yeah, I think one way to sum it up for many people is that Ayn Rand kind of gets you thinking and then Ron Paul kind of gets you acting. And I mean...
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
1: There's a lot more intricate ways to look at their their beliefs. I, I don't agree with either of them on 100% on everything and that's probably true of you know me versus any human being on the planet. I'm not going to agree with on everything, but they really do get the ball rolling um, in so many ways for people. And I think that's the reason that those names are so common and come up on the show when I ask that question so much. So, Nick, how did you go about taking your activism sort of to this other level where you've worked with so many organizations that I respect. Those dot antiwar.com, 10th Amendment Center. Why did you decide to really pursue this stuff in sort of a full-time manner as opposed to, well, doing what I'm doing, which is working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and then trying to do this on the side? I just got hooked on it I don't know
0: I, I um, fortunate enough to live in in the LA area and it's so uh, underrated we should talk about that a little bit about how the Los Angeles Liberty scene is so underrated and, and uh, you know eclipsed by the efforts of those on the East Coast and Washington DC and other other parts of the country I think LA is extremely underrated you know I think uh, just being here though and having access to, to so much I just Kept reaching out and being friendly with folks and being vocal. So you know, I, I think it has something to do with you know being a good communicator with people and being able to follow through. And you know, anyone anyone could have done it. It wasn't anything special. But I am lucky to have worked with with these great organizations. And now it's um it's you know it's become a point where you know a lot of that was uh, volunteer or you know, a low pay kind of thing. So, you know, the Liberty Movement is not all Koch brothers money. And so...
1: (laughs) You're not just swimming in your Liberty Riches. You're not rolling around in a bed of Koch money right now. That could be a double entendre as
0: well. Right. So living in L.A. for about 10 years, most of that was little small part-time jobs and then trying to balance activism and and little things on the other side as well. And finally, I, you know, I started um, looking for more real Uh, paid work. And I'm doing a little bit better in that realm now. But yeah, for a long time, it truly is a struggle. And and activists, maybe they get sometimes more appreciation than they deserve. But on the whole, uh, not enough appreciation to the activists who are waking people up to real uh, solutions to the problems that are facing the country.
1: Let's talk about the liberty movement here in Los Angeles a little bit because it's, it's, if you're not from here and you don't live here and you're just, you know, you just see California as commie California or whatever people might like to refer to it as, uh, you would never think that this is a kind of place where there would be any sort of liberty movement whatsoever but as you and i both know there is a very vibrant liberty movement especially in LA i mean you know all over california as well so why don't you just get into that a little bit i mean why do you think there is this kind of movement i mean obviously you you guys you and a couple friends of yours liberty minded friends basically took over the republican party out here in LA so so what is it about Los Angeles? What is it about the activists out here that um, really differentiate themselves from some other the places that you mentioned? I mean, I'll get flack from my great friends in the Free State Project. They'll say, hey, you got to get out of California. You know, that's a, it's a terrible place. There's n- You're never going to advance liberty there. You got to come to New Hampshire and be around like-minded people. And I say, well, I mean, A, I don't want to move to New Hampshire because uh, I like the weather here. And B, there's plenty of like-minded people around here too.
0: Yeah, we we haven't quite, you know, and and uh, now no one really uses that phrase anymore. take over, because that was so, uh, you know, that was so 2012.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes it sound like you guys you guys stormed in there with machetes and yeah. and, and demanded so, yeah, control. Exactly.
0: And uh, hell, maybe we did, but I'll tell you right now, it's at a point where. Uh, It's definitely a shared experience now where it's not just one person with a a gavel at the front speaking for everyone else in the room. It really is a real mix up. So the Tea Party and the Liberty folks and all the other factions, it really has changed the Republican Party and just what issues they take on and, and what they talk about the Liberty movement in LA is really crazy. There's something going on all the time. I'm so busy. Like this past weekend for the Republican side of politics, we did an event in Anaheim called Cannabis in California. And that uh, we had speakers like Judge Jim Gray and David Knott of the Reason Foundation and other great speakers. And so we were able to instill these ideas into Republican Party politics. And tonight totally outside of Republican circles is Liberty on the Rocks. And Adam Kokesh is coming out. So every like it's multiple times a week or at least one day a week, it seems there's meetings or events or something going on for the Liberty crowd. And we have, you know, the Libertarian Party here and just all these different organizations. And in L.A., it's been great because you can kind of with with la being so big you can kind of start up your own network if you just are half savvy on meetup.com or facebook or something you can kind of start your own network in la on almost anything you want you can find like-minded people you'll find a lot of different liberty groups in LA and then the other side of that the you know the price that we pay for that a bit is LA is so stretched out and so big that not always uh, can people get together on on the same day you know schedules conflict or you know just driving anywhere in LA is hell so it it can be tough to to organize really effectively as effectively as we'd like to be so it uh, it does it, it's like a, a crazy liberty jungle in in LA you know
1: it's always funny when I have friends in town or something and they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm over here. Just swing by. And, they'll, and, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's, I looked it up. It's just seven miles away. I'm like... Seven miles away in Los Angeles, it may as well be on the other side of the country because it is very yeah. difficult to get around here. And, and even though we have this kind of large Liberty community, I mean, L.A. may as well be like a thousand different places. So, you know, like me, I'm working sometimes six, seven days a week. So it can be difficult to get to a lot of these Liberty events. But uh, as you mentioned, the Liberty on the Rocks event tonight, it will have already occurred by the time people are listening to the show. But I do plan to make it out tonight. So we will see.
0: And that'll be fun because you and I, and this is this fits right in, you and I have never actually met, so we will meet tonight. But how long have you been in LA and I've been here for 10 years and we've never met?
1: We have basically been here the same amount of time. I've been here for 11 <laughs> years. <laughs> so we've been here fighting for liberty this whole time and have never actually run into each other, even though we, it's, it's ironic that we live miles from each other, probably, and have communicated more on the internet than anywhere else. That's actually, actually the only way.
0: Well, finally, finally, we will smash the state tonight. Absolutely. Finally, it'll happen.
1: You, me, and Adam Kokesh and the entire uh, L.A. drinking liberty community <laughs> will come together. Uh, so, Nick, why don't you get a little bit more into detail about, you know, how you and um, Noah and um, Amir, I believe are their names, you kind of went in there. I'm not going to say took over, but you uh, even infiltrated. I don't want to to use because it sounds a little too shady, but you got involved with the Republican County Party out here, with the Republican Party in, in Los Angeles County, and uh, you were able to ascend to, to prominent positions within that organization. So what were the keys to doing that? Because I have to imagine when, you know, these, these 20-something kids show up for the first time talking about libertarian stuff and talking about Ron Paul, you, you probably got a few strange looks.
0: Yeah, that's where we got the name Liberty Kids. After all, it was uh, it was sort of a denigrative remark at us.
1: Ah these liberty kids again.
0: Yes, yes and and uh, yeah it's true uh, Amir actually rose to the chairmanship of his local central committee and anyone can run for a central committee. I don't know exactly how it's organized in other parts of the country but you uh, you know you hear stories of people liberty kids and the rest of the country getting kicked out of their Republican party. There was just a case in Georgia that that got some attention about that, that people should look up. Uh, a fellow named Jason Pye was kicked out of a Republican Party. And so this, these things happen. And we were inspired by efforts in Nevada and efforts uh, across the state of California, in Iowa, and just parts all around the country, really. And all it took was running for Central Committee. And maybe they have a different name for it in your local area. But, but over here, we, we just uh, run for Central Committee every four years now. And it's, it's rather easy to get on the ballot. And it's, it's just a matter of, you know, getting a few thousand votes from your neighbors. And it's not exactly easy, but it is easier than you think. So I do encourage people to get involved, even if it's something you wouldn't think you would do. That you have to go to these central committee meetings. Just go to a meeting and find out who actually is running this stuff. And most of the time, you'll see that you could definitely do a better job. So that's what we did. We all put our names on the ballot. I didn't win. Uh, I lost my election, but I ended up being appointed later. So you can still ultimately win or gain the respect of your uh, comrades, so to speak. And they'll you know fill you in as an alternate or get you involved somehow and that's, you know, that's where you start. And we're, we're really excited about our success from 2012 and how we're going to carry that on in 2016 as well. So it's a, it's a fun thing. People should be more involved. And the reason why it's not just to spread liberty and change the Republican Party or something like that. This should be happening in the Democratic Party. This should be happening across all ideologies because the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are both basically arms of the federal government at this point. They're they're more or less federal agencies more than they are political parties in the traditional sense. Through our taxpayer money, we pay for their conventions. So to me, I really see it as a way to literally take your government back. And that can be for anyone, whether they're uh, liberty-oriented or a Bernie Sanders fan, you know, who's disgruntled with the Democratic Party. People will find their way to the libertarian truth eventually, Mark, don't worry. But uh, wherever they are now, they really should be challenging that status quo uh, wherever it is. So I think uh, the Republican Party should be just used as as a vehicle, really a tool for the people, and it shouldn't be the other way around
1: do you think it's easier for liberty-minded folks to sort of get involved in the Republican Party as opposed to the Democrat Party? I mean, do you think that there's more opposition seen to that kind of dialogue from Democrats? Or is it more just because, you know, Ron Paul was a Republican, so, and Rand Paul's a Republican, so at this kind of juncture in time, that's, you know, the party that seems more inclined towards this stuff, even though top down, they certainly, neither party is good on the liberty issues that we care about.
0: Yeah, I think generally it's good advice to run within the Republican Party if you're a libertarian-minded person. I definitely have seen libertarians in the Democratic Party, and typically I don't see that as being as effective. I thought it meant a lot a few years ago when Julian Assange said that the only political hope in the United States was among the Liberty Republicans. So I think he's right on that. And, you know, it's not the uh, one all and be all of liberty activism. But I think if you're going to be involved in politics, it's a good idea to do Republican politics. And and if not that, then forming a a single issue group that can also be very effective if you're not into the party politics, but you do want to start a network and build up your resources and your allies in the political world. Start up a single issue group and build a coalition around that single issue. And that's really all that I try to do as chair of the Republican Liberty Caucus in L.A. County. The ultimate goal is to instill the principles of liberty in the Republican Party. But we, we can only do that in L.A. most of the time through some sort of big coalition building. So, for instance, we chose our issue to be indefinite detention. The uh, NDAA of 2012, everyone remembers the indefinite detention. It's uh, legalized kidnapping where the government or the military could swoop you up and not charge you with anything, not provide you a lawyer, not even provide you a trial date, just hold you in a cell under some suspicion that you were related to terrorists or were about to commit some terroristic act. So we chose that as our issue, indefinite detention. And we linked up with the uh, Occupy 99%, ACLU, and not just leftist organizations. We were also with Oath Keepers at the time. And so working with all these different organizations, there was a bill that, you know, ultimately our goal was to just influence the LA City Council or something like that. But actually a bill was introduced in the California State Legislature and introduced in 24 states. Legislation that said the states would not participate, would not share their resources with the federal government. So it was a big inspiration from the 10th Amendment Center to get that legislation through. And the Republican Liberty Caucus was just a part of a grand coalition behind that. So for those who want to poo-poo the Republican Party activism, it's, uh, it's a great way to reach out to others. And then at that point, it just doesn't matter what your political name tag is. It's just the fact that you're working on an issue that's important.
1: Well, you beat me to the punch, Nick, because I'm sure you've heard this sort of generic objection from people that describe themselves as anarchists or libertarians. I don't want to toss labels around, but I mean, a lot of people of that ilk and we are of that ilk as well um, will say, you know, if you participate in politics, you are just, you know. Voting is the same as pointing a gun in someone's head. And, and if you're getting involved in politics, you're just supporting the system. So, I mean, obviously, you've already given a few good examples of how you've actually been able to influence things by getting involved politically, by, you know, partaking in political action. But what would you say to that objection that you're just sort of, I guess, giving your approval to the, quote unquote, the system?
0: Well, I would just invite them to Liberty on the Rock so we could drink together, you know, and that would be it. But uh, no, you know, it, that sort of attitude it's uh, it, on an individual basis, of course. I can't judge everyone, but I do see a lot of that. Uh, it's just internet, you know, it's just uh, internet warriors. They just get on their keyboard and they become. Little facebook fighters and that's fine that's really fun and i definitely partake but i'm not there to discourage anyone from anything i'm not going to shame anyone for not being a part of the republican party um you know I, i i really can't blame them i held my nose and um you know i i feel much better about the decision now but of course at the time it was a difficult decision and and so i respect the fact that not everyone will come to the same decision that i did so that's all good um you know, I uh, I hope that they're successful in, in private enterprise and in Bitcoin or 3D printing or, or some other just miraculous technology that frees us from the state or at least, um, you know, interferes with the state's activities. So we need all the help we can get. I think it's... Um, Uh, I can't remember exactly who I heard it from. I'll have to get back to you to update this. But uh, the quote was, um, libertarians have to be everywhere doing everything all the time. And that's our only shot. So I'm not going to stop anyone from doing anything they think is the best use of their time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's no one way to properly advance the ideas of liberty or or properly make a better world. There's a million different ways. There's countless ways. There's doing it just through business. There's doing it just through being a good person in your day to day life. There's doing it through political activism like you've been doing dare I say, making podcasts and, and having websites where you espouse these ideas. There's so many ways to do it, and we shouldn't really discourage anyone from, from pursuing whatever ways they, they deem best. So that my, that's my only issue, is when people, not when people choose to not partake in politics actively, that's fine. Uh, it's when people actively discourage others from doing so, and that's an attitude that I, I feel has sort of infected the liberty movement to some degree, and uh, it's one that I, I try to fight against, because I think that's just silly. If anything else, if, if there's any people we want more involved in politics, it's the people that are Already have pretty good ideas about individual rights about the ideas of liberty and that sort of thing so if there's anyone we want to encourage to be more involved in politics it's the liberty people you know if you want to discourage you know a bunch of communists and fascists to get out of politics well i might, I might be okay with that you can just encourage them to stay home but you know when it comes to liberty-minded folks fine if you don't want to participate but let's not discourage each other from doing so that's all i'm saying and i know you agree with me on that one Oh, yeah. Kumbaya. <laughs> Nick, I know you're in. We'll cheers to that later on tonight. Now, uh, Nick, I, if you don't mind, I kind of want to toss you a curveball here because I know you're a big Tenth Amendment guy. You worked with the Tenth Amendment Center before, and and obviously uh, I've had Tom Woods on the show before, and he's a, also a big Tenth Amendment nullification guy. I asked him this question, and it actually – it's a question I now call the Tom Woods stumper because he actually admitted he didn't really have a good answer for it. So I'm just going to see what you think. And – um. So we have this Tenth Amendment that says, you know, we have states' rights, and states should be able to decide on any issues not sort of uh, laid out in the Constitution. Now, we also have this federal war on drugs that we all agree is terrible. And uh, you and I support all state efforts to nullify that, to combat the war on drugs. We support the state of Colorado, the state of marijuana that are, are legalizing this stuff, despite what the feds may object to. But... If we picture a world where things are reversed, let's say the federal government decided, you know what, we have totally had a change of heart, or maybe some better people just get in power, and they say, war on drugs, it's over, we're done, we're not even going to classify drugs as criminal acts anymore. We're not going to partake in this activity that we've been doing, this terrible sins we've been committing by jailing people for committing no crime other than owning a plant or a substance. And yay, yay, libertarians are all thrilled. But then you've got a couple states where they maybe have people that have a certain belief about drugs, and they kind of want to hang on to it. And they say, well, all right, federal government, you might say that there's no war on drugs, but we're going to wage one. We're going to put people in jail for owning marijuana. We think that's a fine thing to do. So... Would you support, I mean, I don't want to say uh, I don't support the federal government invading states or anything like that, but would you support sort of a federal legislation nullifying states' ability to basically violate individual rights by putting people in jail? How would you view that if, if I guess, the constitutional roles were reversed, but the moral roles were sort of you know more in line with what the federal government was doing? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And uh, it is it is about a balance. It's not about the states always being superior to the feds or the feds always being superior to the states. But uh, speaking in our current context of things, I really can't foresee a time where I would be on the side of the federal government. But uh, in theory, no, the the federal government could actually uh, rescue the people from the state government. It's not uh, something that I could not imagine, but in uh, current political times, I'm not sure who those names would be, who would actually be doing that.
1: Sure, this is, of course, a very theoretical, hypothetical scenario, but
0: that's what I like to play in. (laughs) Yeah, and and it is hypothetical. I think, ultimately, by the time other states legalize marijuana, the, the rest of the war on drugs will... Be really difficult for the federal government to enforce. So yes, states that are concerned about that or do uh, miss the good old days of the war on drugs will have to do it on their own. Where will they get the money to do it? It's difficult to foresee that because it will be squandering a lot of wealth. Colorado impressed a lot of people with its tax revenue, bringing in so much marijuana revenue uh, that they actually had to pay their own citizens back with their own money. <laughs> They're like, "Look." We have so much money, we're going to give it back to the citizens. So every fiscal conservative should uh, promote that. And uh, in California, uh, I don't foresee California's state government ever giving its taxpayers its money back. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen here.
0: <laughs> but I do think the tax revenue is going to explode um, after California legalizes marijuana. So it's just going to be so big that I'm not even sure how a state could – isolate itself to uh, run a, a war on drugs. So it's a difficult one, but a day I'm pretty sure we won't see.
1: Sure. I mean, if, if our biggest problem with the federal government is that they're ending the war on drugs too strongly, I mean, that, that's a pretty good scenario to be in, I think. Yeah. Uh, so do you think this is in the bag for in California? Because it's almost embarrassing. California sort of paved the way for uh, medical marijuana anyway. They're the first state to do that way before anyone else even considered it. And yet here we are, still lagging behind while these other states are just completely outright legalizing it. So I know there is a big movement and, and it should be on the ballot, I believe, next year. So do you think this one, we're finally going to catch up to the rest of these guys and, and fully legalize?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, a couple of years back, 2010 was the last time California tried to legalize marijuana and, and the campaign was very ineffective while the campaign against it was uh, sadly very effective. They, they only used lies, of course. But I think this time around, The trend is moving that way. And uh, California, even among Republicans, the the support among California Republicans for legalized marijuana has jumped, I think, five or 10 percent. So the opposition to this is weakening and the arguments are getting old. And just watching Colorado and watching Washington and and Alaska and Washington, D.C., you know whoever else is next i think ohio is going to be next or something but california will finally catch on it's going to happen and the uh, the only fear we have now is just like if we know for sure that it's going to pass then it really does matter what the language in that proposition is so that'll be interesting to talk about later on cuz they haven't really firmed up that language yet
1: sure i mean there's there's certainly the danger of you know a lot of powerful people saying all right this thing's going to happen it's going to get legalized how can we profit and rig this system for us? And that's what's happened in Ohio. Uh, there are two groups that are supporting legalization. One group basically wants everyone to be allowed to grow their own plants and, and sell medical marijuana. Another group, which is more powerful and is, has the best advantage right now in terms of the, the legislation going through, is a group who is, and we've written about this, I'll link to all this stuff in the show notes for the show today, they have basically set up legislation that essentially cartelizes the system in their favor and basically allows them to be the only people who can grow and produce marijuana. For, for distribution and now i still see that as you know a net positive you know as, as opposed to our current system because it, le- it would at least stop people from going to jail for it so that's good sure but it's also a danger that now we get this entrenched cartel for this industry so i think it is important like you said to to focus on the language and kind of uh be the watchdogs here and make sure that there's not some some shifty characters kind of uh moving in and trying to take control of the whole thing
0: Yeah. And and you're exactly right, though. Almost no matter what the the, uh, proposition says, I will be voting for it just because it is a matter of taking on that prison industrial complex is, is for sure.
1: Now, Nick, uh, before we let you go, I want to give you a chance to plug some of your recent projects here. And uh, one of them, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is that you're joining me in the uh, the sort of radio and podcasting realm with the Nick Hancock show. So what inspired you to take to the airwaves, so to speak, and start putting out your own show? What sort of topics do you plan on covering? And, and what's out there that you weren't getting from the other shows of the world that you felt the need to step your own toe into the water?
0: Well, uh, what inspired me to start the Nick Hancock show was I just thought my name would be great in lights. I thought people would enjoy (laughs) that. No, I don't know. Uh, No, you know, I love I love radio so much. And and I've been meaning to do this for so long. And I did do some podcasting with uh, Michael Bolden at the 10th Amendment Center. That was a lot of fun. And I, you know, I just found that I could not waste any more time. So I just plugged in a cheap $10 microphone and a little Chromebook and used some free software. And it's like not it's definitely not perfect, but it's finally I'm getting it done. And uh, it's just a chance for me to, at the very least, reach some family, reach some friends on the, the huge stories of the day and just give them context, but not in a way that takes an hour to explain it. So I'm really trying my best to crunch up and tighten the arguments on the Iran deal. And uh, so our last episode, which you can check out at NickHankoff.com, uh, our last episode, my producer and lovely Alice, uh, she was on the show So uh, she's helped me. She's helped me so much in in the show. And um, just uh, she's amazing. So Alice and I get on there to talk about Justin Amash and the Liberty Republicans voting against the Iran deal. So we try and do it in a in a way that's uh, neat and tidy and helpful for, um, you know, the people that we care about. To really help them understand the issue, so that's my audience. It's uh, it's my friends and family. So uh, you know, you know that when you listen to this show, you're not going to get just a a really uh, angry, uh, crazy guy yelling. You know, it's going to be like your show in a way. I'm just ripping you off, Mark. You know, it's just I'm I'm stealing your style of like making a really friendly show and providing a lot of helpful facts. So uh, you know, I hope uh, I hope that uh, you'll be on the Nick Hancock show sometime soon.
1: Absolutely, and uh, imitation is the best form of flattery. So maybe we can iron out the details at Liberty on the Rocks a little bit later on tonight. And Nick, of course, before I let you go, I want to give you the last chance to just plug everything you got going on. So why don't you tell everybody, besides the Nick Hancock show, what you're doing at Voices of Liberty, how they can find your work there, and feel free to plug anything else you got going on.
0: Sure. So there's VoicesofLiberty.com. We've got some great stories there. And if you want to contribute to VoicesofLiberty.com, I will make that happen for you. So please email me, Nick, at VoicesOfLiberty.com, and I'll help you get published on the website. The Facebook page has over 50,000 likes, so please uh, like VoicesOfLiberty.com on Facebook, and you'll know that if you do decide to contribute for the site, you'll have a great audience there. And besides that, if you were interested in the Republican activism and you want to support that, Our website is lacrlc.org or just look up Los Angeles County Republican Liberty Caucus. And we've got a fundraiser right now. We're selling Frederick Bastiat's The Law. So if you want to get a really excellent, uh, exclusive, limited edition of that book, please go to our website lacrlc.org and we'll make that happen for you. And uh, we'll just continue spreading the message. That's all we're up to, uh, no matter if it's uh, VoicesOfLiberty.com or or Republican politics, or just going out drinking tonight. It's going to be great.
1: Nick Hancoff, everybody. Be sure to check him out, and keep up the great work, Nick. We'll talk again soon. See ya. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my discussion there with the great Nick Hancoff. I'll have my own thoughts in the last roar in a moment. But if you're a fan of having great conversations about politics, like the one I just had with Nick Hancoff, a great way to start one is by sporting some of the awesome Liberty gear provided by our friend Dan McCall over at LibertyManiacs.com. Check out their electoral dysfunction line, featuring the brand spanking new Donald Trump satire t-shirt, We Shall Overcomb, which I plan to sport later on this evening. You can get this and so much more, including satirical bumper stickers, mugs, hats, t-shirts, etc., etc. If that weren't enough... You can get a 10% discount off your entire order by heading over to libertymaniacs.com/pages/lions, or by simply using the code Lions of Liberty at checkout. And, folks, as I discussed with Nick, I don't do this for a living. I work. I work a lot. I'm a freelancer working in the television industry out here in Los Angeles. And as a freelancer, that means that I am responsible for my own health insurance. I don't have a company providing it for me. And, you know, that means I've always had to think about the cost of my health insurance. I actually look at what my premiums are going to be and what my deductibles are going to be. And I always used to purchase my own health insurance, basically a catastrophic plan, until the Obamacare ACA mandates came in and said, no, 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 you're not allowed to have that kind of plan anymore. Instead, my premiums doubled, my deductibles doubled. And look, I know a raw deal when I see one. So I sought out an alternative, and I decided to opt out of health insurance altogether. I did this when I learned about the exciting legal alternative known as health sharing, where other like-minded individuals voluntarily cover each other's medical costs. Our friends at Health Excellence Select will not only enroll you in a health sharing plan, but they'll provide you with personal assistance who will help you navigate the healthcare system, provide you with 24-7 Skype access to doctors, and help you get all sorts of discounts on medical and dental care. To learn more, you can hop on a free webinar with our representative, Jeff Cantor. You can also contact him directly at 440-283-6849 or... For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. Boy, and what a great talk I had there with Nick Hancock, a great liberty activist who I'm looking forward to meeting in person. And by the time you listen to this, I will have. And you know, it's important to connect with like-minded people. It's even more important to create new like-minded people. 'Cause we can talk to each other all we want, you know, influence each other and connect with each other and, and be activists and create these organizations like the Tenth Amendment Center, uh like Voices of Liberty, like Nick Ankop is running right now. But we can only speak to the choir so much. The only reason speaking to the choir is helpful is because it helps us refine our ideas. But what we really need to do is is reach out to new people. That's why I do the show. I don't do this just to speak to other libertarians. I do this to try to present what I view as the proper interpretation of libertarian ideas or of the ideas of liberty. I don't try to get too wrapped up in the labels because so many people hear the word libertarian and they already have a cartoon caricature of of what they think libertarianism is. You know, they they picture the greedy capitalist smoking the cigar laughing his way to the bank. Well, that picture should be a associated with the crony capitalists and fascism really and that's the kind of differentiations we need to make when we're having these kind of conversations now more important than creating new like-minded people even is to have the right ideas in the first place the right principles that's why it's always important to focus on principles that's why i asked nick what i call the tom woods stumper the question that tom woods admits he didn't have a great answer for And I'm not even saying the answer is necessarily simple in terms of the reality of the situation, in terms of the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, yada, yada, yada. But we still have to come to a moral consensus on what is right and wrong. Now, if you have a conception of individual rights, and if you believe that individuals have the right to take any action so long as it does not harm another, well, we need to kind of have that principle across the board. And if we say it's wrong for the federal government to wage a war on drugs, we have to equally say that it's wrong for a state to wage a war on drugs. And when we're forming an idea of what government can be, what government should be, to me, the only rightful role of government is one that's, A, voluntarily formed and has the actual literal consent of the people governed, but, B, that it consistently apply and enforce the standards of individual rights. So if someone's rights are being violated, if they're being thrown in jail for owning a marijuana plant, for example, for one of many possible examples, we need to declare that wrong, whether it's being perpetrated by the federal government or whether it's being perpetrated by a state government, whether it's being perpetrated by your next door neighbor. Maybe they've got a, a basement full of people who they locked up for having weed plants. I don't know. But the principle behind this remains the same. And you know that's what I was trying to say when I brought this up on a recent episode of Rand policies and minuses. And it might not have been the perfect analogy at the time we were discussing the kim davis issue i i sometimes just come up with things on the fly and it's not always perfect usually analogies aren't perfect but it's extremely important when trying to discuss these issues that we lay out our principles otherwise people get confused they think libertarians are hypocrites they don't care if states throw people in jail well, I do. I want that stuff stopped. And, you know, when we hide behind constitutional Tenth Amendment arguments, those are good in certain cases, in certain practical cases. In a lot of these cases where we're talking about states rejecting the NSA, like Nick was discussing, or, um, you know, nullifying the war on drugs in certain levels, that's something we should absolutely approve of. But if the roles were reversed, we still have to look at who's right and who's wrong. And if the roles are reversed, the rightness or wrongness of a situation does not change. Now, we can still analyze the practicality of that. No, I'm not calling for the federal government to send troops into Idaho if they refuse to legalize marijuana necessarily. But it doesn't change that the federal government would be right to declare it wrong, would be right to say, no, it's wrong to lock people up, you know, for owning a plant, for not harming anybody else. We have to be consistent about this stuff. And that's why I do the show, to try to push this idea of actually being consistent, of finding a consistent philosophy that we can apply equally to any situation. And I'm going to keep doing that here on the Lions of Liberty podcast every single Monday and Thursday, published at lionsofliberty.com. Of course, you can listen all over wherever podcasts are found, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. If you could take a moment, if you're a fan of the show, please head on over to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a rating, hopefully a five-star one, and leave us a review, hopefully a good one. If you want to go on there and give me a one-star and and just chastise the show, well, there's nothing I can do to stop you. It's a free country, but... Well, if you're a fan of the show, why would you do that? If you're still listening now, why would you do that? These are a very simple way you can help spread the word. Of course, sending the show to your family and friends, posting it on Facebook, tweeting us out. These are all ways you can help us out. We, of course, invite you to connect with us on our social media at facebook.com slash lionsofliberty, on the Twitter at lionsofliberty. I'd like to personally invite you, if you'd like to take this conversation to another level, to come join our private Facebook group called the Lions of Liberty Forum. You can look that up on Facebook. We'll also link to it in the show notes for today's show. You can have great conversations with us. You can you can tell us why we're idiots, you can tell us why we're smart, you can tell us whatever you want. We promise to keep it um, respectful and fun, and we're having some great talks over there. So, head on over to the Lions of Liberty Forum and join the conversation. Until next time, folks, live long and live free. And I'm editing $1.